Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, you lovely lot, uh, and welcome to this week's Tuesday Night Show on the Distraction Pieces Network, the podcast network that brings you a ton of stuff. Uh, make sure you're checking everything out that's on the network, Uh the big boss man, Screwiest Pip, recently interviewed Charlie Brooker in one of my favourite episodes of his podcast recently. Awesome. If you've seen the new Black Mirror series, if you like Black Mirror at all, Dead Set, anything that Charlie Brooker's done, it is well worth a listen. Uh, in regards to us, our website is still jimsmallman.com forward slash TNJ. That's right, he's still getting the royalties because he's a very clever businessman. Uh, all our past episodes are there, our archives there as well. Make sure you are following us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Uh, leave us a little like and maybe even a little review. Positive stuff, please. You know, let's be nice. But yeah, welcome to the first ever new era, new blood rising episode of Tuesday Night Jaw. Uh, I don't know who I would be if I was in new blood rising. Probably Sean Stasiak, definitely. Maybe Mark Jindrak. Well, in in that regard, the, the Sean O'Hare to my Mark Jindrak is my guest this week, someone I'm really, really excited to have on, uh, and the perfect person for the new era. Please welcome Chris, the package, Sharp. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? <laughs> Doing great. Hey, Sean O'Hare had a pretty cool song in WCW. Hey. That would be sweet to walk out to. Yeah, like, like... It's like, come on! Long-term listeners on here will know for a fact that I have a massive massive love for uh, like 2000s wcw so like palombo o'hare jindrak they were my boys man so with this is this like greed or is this like sin both i loved yeah. it man okay like, I, right. I, I was living for them young dragons freak out matches yeah that stuff was like that's the only stuff i watched so i was like ridiculous hey, yeah yeah ja- ridiculous. jamie san jamie noble as a as a japanese mass wrestler writes great. itself yeah that's great <laughs> i mean this is Welcome to this podcast. This is what happens. We start off like with promise of being professional, and then it just disintegrates into this. So, <laughs> uh, but like, yeah. On a serious note, you were the first person that I was like, I want to get on the podcast because you are everything that this podcast is meant to be, which is positive in wrestling. Well, like, you you know this, but this is hilarious to me because it's very unlikely that most of the people listening don't even know who I am. But that doesn't matter. I've been on this podcast for nearly two years and people still haven't got a clue who I am. Well, that's good. That makes me feel a little better. Yeah. But I know who you are because you're literally everywhere. So, I mean, 
isn't it's not a fake accent is it you really no are. no i'm very american <laughs> very uh loud actually when i come here i tr- you know i try i say i try but i try to not fit the stereotypical loud obnoxious american but you know it slips out sometimes i did very britishly tell you off the other day on the train didn't you I? did we well i was i was trying to listen to some ice cube on the train and you know i didn't have the headphones plugged in i thought maybe some other people wanted to listen to some ice cubes some nwa but you know, that's probably not the thing to do yeah. on the way to London. I politely was like, refer to you as, are you a 15-year-old chap <laughs> listening to music on your phone on a, on a train carriage? No, uh, just American. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, that's what I should have done. I should have just stood up and be like, hey, I'm really sorry. He's just American. Just American. They understood at that point, though. They yeah. knew exactly what was going on. Yeah, man. But, like, so I was trying to think about when we met, because I, th- I think this is a testament to, like, how we became friends or our friendship is that... You know when you have people in your life and you have no idea when they just came in? Yeah, it's kind of a blur sometimes. Because I feel like, well, we have a we have a connection in the sense that, that obviously your wife is, is a former wrestler. Yes, my wife is one of the former Blossom Twins. Yeah. So do you want to know a crazy fact? Yeah, I would my love first, to. My first ever match in Future Shock was with uh, teaming with both your wife and her sister. Do you remember who you wrestled? Uh, Jack Toxic. Wow. Uh, cyanide at April David's, I think. That's a main event anywhere in the world. Yeah, so there's uh, World of Sports Crater, WWE's Jack Gallagher, and April David's, who's an awesome wrestler, uh, who's retired now. And what a what a group that match turned out to be, really. Yeah, we did all right. <laughs> like... And at the time, I mean, looking at you guys, and obviously, I say this about myself too. You yeah. would have never guessed. But I think like I think the twins weren't even the blossoms at that point. I think they were like. Like chastity and like hope and so I don't know. It was something, wasn't it? Yeah, I think we've got the costumes upstairs, and they made them themselves, and they were just awful. They looked like Santa's little helpers. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, I remember them because I I wasn't even I wasn't even Matt Taylor at that point. I was still Delirium. Yeah. So it was just like the hokiest like. Early two thousands Brit rest. Delirium. Did you have like the mask with the stringy things? No, on? no. This is, hey, hey. That's delirious. Yeah, I I was delirium before I even know who delirious was. Fair so, enough. Fair so enough. That was that was yeah. That's a story for another podcast. But so like that's kind of like how I met I met your family, and then I think the thing that stood out to me was I remember we used to do, we used to do shows up in Morecambe together. Oh, it's real in Morecambe. <laughs> Right, so please... That's the thing. So please talk to me about this, because you we will get onto this later in the podcast. You you have worked in a lot of places. You're from Richmond, right? In yeah, Virginia? Richmond, Virginia, yeah. And you've worked Southern in places Boy. like OBW, you've worked for TNA as well, yeah. right? So you've, you've worked in some of the realest towns in America. Oh, yeah. And you are going on record and saying that it's even more real in Morecambe. Dude, yeah, Morecambe's wild, man. I mean, they uh, they believe these ladies will be screaming all kinds of obscenities when they have the baby in their arms yep. and stuff. It's, it's wild, man, but it's awesome because, like, you miss that and you want that when you go to some of these wrestling events. And, you know, sometimes, like, these days in the internet age, a lot of the fans kind of are very smart uh, to everything that goes on. And here, it's just refreshing because... It's real. They just enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and, and the thing as well, when we were doing them shows uh, a few years back, we were in the Winter Gardens in Morecambe, which is and now it's a listed, beautiful. It's a listed building now because wow. it's it's everyone 
we joked about this on the train and and, and <laughs> please don't take this wrong we love marty jones by the way like oh yeah we love him but i'm sure marty jones will tell you about when he wrestled owen hart in that building oh, in like yeah. 1986 or whatever it was when he was British dude i love all the old guys i wish there were more old guys in wrestling to be honest because i feel like now that the way that the business is going we're yeah. we're gonna lose some of that art form and yeah for sure and unfortunately, I feel like the athleticism and everything is off the charts. It's it's amazing. I mean, these I'm a referee, obviously, but these uh, wrestlers can do things that uh, you know you could have never imagined wrestlers could do even just a few years ago. But there's there's something missing, kind of too, and it's just well, kind of that old school feel. The thing that I think is quite nice at the minute is, especially with WWE. You've got Johnny Saint that will come. You've got Brookside, obviously, who's main coach there. You've got Norman Smiley as well, who's a big, a big coach. But people like James Mason are now coming in. 100%. And Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor. And you're getting all these old British boys passing on their knowledge. Because it always makes me chuckle because you can kind of tell when Johnny Saint's been in town in Florida because NXT, that that, that TV block, will have lo- all these old like Johnny Saint, Steve Gray spots. And you're like, oh, yeah. It's, jo- it's the best, honestly, yeah. because the... The fact is that stuff still works, mm-hmm. and you know you can instead of doing all kinds of crazy, let me hit you with a forearm a billion times, and you hit me a billion times, and then we both yell, and then we both hit each other again, we knock each other out. That stuff's cool, and obviously there's a place and time for that, but sometimes it's great just to grab a hold, <laughs> and, and that's a metaphor for life. Yeah, I think. yeah. <laughs> wow, motivational quotes already. Yeah. But obviously that that. That style all started in towns like Morecambe and the seaside towns and that seasonal show and, and tour. And it's I'm so yeah, one of my so and one of my favorite stories about Morecambe is um uh William Regal came to a show once because it was during uh, a period where I think they were all having tryouts. So yeah. he came to, to Morecambe and, and uh, a friend of the podcast and a friend of mine, Chris Brooker, uh, took him to go and see the Eric Morecambe statue and he had a great time. And um, so during that show, I don't know, do you remember the raffles in Morecambe? The raffle was a big deal. The yeah. raffle kind of was like the semi-main event of every it, it, show. It really was. And, and, it really and was. like not because of its placement in no, the no. show, but because people look forward to the raffle. And I don't think that happens everywhere you go. Do you remember when Michaels used to say, it doesn't matter if you're world champion, <laughs> yeah, to be, if you're the main event, you're the best match on the, on the, on the card. Well, yeah. that was the best moment on the card. Yeah. But like there was crazy stuff. So one of the times the main prize was a cardboard cutout, life-size cardboard cutout of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Just a small child one. Uh, which I openly encouraged to put in his mum and dad's bed one time just to scare them. But during the show... You think he did? Oh, I mean, the look in his eyes was like, I am doing this, and the look in his mum's eyes was like, she's going to fight me. Um, (laughs) So hopefully, hey, if you're listening to this small child, let us know. But (laughs) at the show that Regal was, someone donated a prize. So the prize was a a foam fist signed... By uh, All Japan and pro wrestling Noah legend Kenta Kabashi. It was like a burning fist signed by Kabashi. So keeping in mind in Morecambe, and Zach Gibson went there like a year ago. They didn't even know who Zach Gibson was. They were just yeah, like, I was going to say, do you think they even have a clue who he is? So there's me being like, oh yeah, our, our, our main prize today is you know this foam fist signed by former Triple Crown, like GHC heavyweight champion Kenta Kabashi. So Regal apparently um, was on the on the uh, on the balcony, and he just leant over to Brooker, Brooker and went, "Did he just say that that is a foam fist signed by Kenta Kabashi?" <laughs> and Chris was like, "Yeah, I believe so." And he went, "Oh, okay, bloody hell!" I just like <laughs> it's like one of my favorite moments of just like, "Yeah, welcome to Morecambe, man." But, Dude, Regal's the man, huh? Yeah, 
You want to go there about how Regal's the man? Well, we so at NXT UK we had the first ever all female tryout. Yes, I guess about a month ago now. I, I think it was like yeah, even three weeks. Yeah, yeah like and this that, yeah. was the kind of really the first time that Regal came and spent some time with us. And dude, he was off the charts. I know that one of the days as a part of the tryout, all the girls had to you know cut a promo. Yeah, and I think it was scheduled to last like a couple of hours. There yeah. were eighteen girls, and they were only cutting a one minute promo. So even a couple of hours, I was like, there's no way it's going to last this long. Mm. But the feedback that Regal was giving after each and every one was just incredible. And, you know, some of it's stuff that I'd heard before, but, you know, it's good to have a refresher on this stuff. And he was just dropping all kinds of knowledge. I mean, if I was in a position to and I wasn't where I am right now, this is the type of stuff that I probably would have, like, paid for a flight to go to a seminar and learn But man, that guy can go, and he's ready to yeah, talk. Yeah. I mean, he he will drop knowledge for a good forty minutes to an hour, and oh, he's yeah. like, "All right, next one minute promo." Yeah, <laughs> and what was supposed to last only a couple hours, I want to say, lasted like six hours. Yeah. And then we were just like, "Okay, uh, we need to take a little break for lunch." <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's 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 incredible in that sense. Like, I, I'm very fortunate that that I I got to do the spoken word tours with him and spend a lot of time with him, and he. We'll just say something in a sentence that I'm sure to him is like me and you just saying like, hey, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Like, and disregards it. And it's the most intelligent thing you ever hear. It 100%. It changes your whole perspective on not just wrestling, but life. 100%. And, and I think it's I think it's so awesome that, that this generation now are getting an opportunity to learn off them people. Like you said, because there is these... Hey, these... man, once they're gone, they're gone, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like... Uh, wrestling's just gonna kind of feel the same, yeah. In my opinion, uh, and and I think part of the appeal of wrestling is it's like a circus. You go right. and there's something for everybody. Some people like the bearded lady. Some people like the elephant. Some people like yeah. the clown. Some people like the trapeze artist. And you got to have it all. Yeah. And that's how I feel like a wrestling show should be, but without kind of uh, the real real veterans of our sport passing down what they learned on the job day in and day out like 300 days a year Hmm. uh you know the game is very very different and i feel like you've been very fortunate in your career that you've learned from a wide variety of dude all the old guys man like uh so my story is i did wrestling for two or three years as a manager wrestler referee whatever i could do Hmm. And then, uh, you know, out of Virginia and up and down the East Coast. But I kind of wanted to take it more seriously. And I always had in my mind that I want to get a job with the WWE. That's what I grew up watching. I grew up watching, you know, Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold and The Rock. And, hey, you know, I just, that that was my whole life for me. You know, we didn't have a whole lot growing up. But uh, my family is good friends with Dave and Earl Hebner, the referees. And they would bring over like VHS videotapes and magazines and stuff like that. So that wrestling is kind of like all I had and all I knew. And I just never grew out of it. And uh, maybe like three, three and a half years into my wrestling journey on the East Coast on the independence, I decided like I want to take this more seriously. Like I don't care if I'm a referee or wrestler or manager or whatever. I just I want this to be my job. I want this to be how I support my family. So I packed up and I moved to OBW. One of the probably one of the best decisions I ever made, and I think OVW kind of gets a lot of flack from people because uh, I don't know. I feel like it, in a way they're also kind of set in their ways, and some mm. of that is 
uh, a little past that now, but like the people that trained me were Rip Rogers. You can follow him on Twitter. I think it's Hustler or something, 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 something. But he's always dropping knowledge there, and in his own way, you know. <laughs> so, but I, I think because obviously OVW's gone through a lot of transitional periods where there's been different management, different eras, and stuff. Did were you there before or after when it got picked up as an affiliate was t- uh, TNA slash Impact? So I was there like right after WWE left. WWE right. like dropped Deep South Wrestling, and they dropped OVW, and they decided they're going to start Florida Championship Wrestling down in Tampa. Uh, when I was there, I don't. I think like Rip Rogers was the main wrestling trainer, but shortly thereafter, Jim Cornette came in, yeah, and I ended up being like a right hand man to him for two two and a half years. He left for a little while. Um, then Al Snow came in. I was a right hand man to him for over two years, and that's the point where it kind of partnered up with TNA. You know, I think people realize, hey, this is still a really great wrestling school. I mean look at the people that came from this place. That's why yeah. I went to that place, because I was like, dude, everybody that's came from there ended up making like a million dollars. And I think, do you know, it's interesting because obviously Rip and, and Cornette are two controversial figures now within within the current... Dude, all my landscape. mentors are controversial yeah. figures, and, and it doesn't mean that I agree with everything and that I was just, This is the point I was just about to make, is like, nine times out of ten, I disagree with both, sure. both Rip and, and Jim... I have a baseline respect for them because yeah, they're 100%. successful and they've done stuff in their career. But I think it's important that that we are balanced when taking an advice uh, from people, and also balanced in the sense of we shouldn't judge people for for where they learn and their background. Because you know, I, I've gone for a system where I've had some trainers that I would absolutely never credit with anything, but then there's, sure. there's people that I would credit, and I think you will learn from anyone that you come across and it does not mean if you're like yeah, oh what to do or what not to do yes exactly right and like i feel, I feel like it's it's important to to kind of lay that out and state that because well you know the deal i mean it, oh my teacher is so old school yeah. <laughs> like we're talking like 1960s 1970s style wrestling that they're trying to like pass on little bits of knowledge from and we work at progress it's the yeah, exact yeah. opposite and i love both yeah, and but I find uh, value in both. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. I don't discredit one just because it's not a hundred percent with what I agree with. I say, well, this person can teach me something. Yeah, you darn right they can. I'm going to use, uh, you know, you learn from everybody, and then everybody gives you advice, and you just say yes, sir, thank you, and then you take little bits from each person, and you decide what kind of works best for you. And you said something to me really interesting on the on train on, on Sunday when we were traveling together about advice and giving advice you were saying that you always watch you always think and you always have an opinion but you don't give that opinion unless someone comes to ask you and talk to you I, well I used to but it got me in trouble yeah to where I think people thought that like who is this referee telling me right okay and and and, and which is something I can sympathize with because again I get there. Sure, just you're bringing on wrestling talent. Hundred percent. But in my mind, it's like, well, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to say I know everything. I definitely don't. I'm learning about life and about wrestling every single day. Uh, I will never stop learning because I think the real power is knowing that you don't know everything. But uh, I had no choice but to try to get smart because I was constantly working with people way, way, way better than me on yeah. a super regular basis. I mean, especially when I was at OVW, we were doing like four shows a week on top of two or three training sessions a week. 
And then when you go home, you're living with like three or four other wrestlers and you're just watching wrestling constantly and you're in the row with them. And that's all those times where you really learn as well. But uh, so I would give feedback all the time. And, and I think people were just kind of like, well, yeah, you know, who is this guy? Why? Yeah. And now it's at the point where, you know, I'm kind of old school in the mentality of I sit by the curtain or I sit by the monitor and I watch every match from start to finish. I make sure I'm dressed and ready in case anything's needed. And because of all of the knowledge that I've absorbed from people way better than me, I kind of know like what they're looking for. And even at progress, I'm yeah. not, a, I'm not a referee at progress. I'm a match agent and a producer. So my job is I kind of find out what the upper management wants. And then I relay that information to the wrestlers and let them figure out their match. And I'll check back with them like an hour later after they've had some time to talk it over. And we'll say, Hey, well maybe this would be good or Hey, I don't know about this so much. And we'll tweak a few things and, uh, but I'm sitting there watching the entire show, so I know what the boys want and what they're looking for. I know what the office wants and what they're looking for, and I'm kind of like, especially in, even in my role as a referee, you're not office, you're not talent, you're somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So, But if I'm watching all of it and I'm absorbing all of it and I know what everybody wants and what everybody's trying to accomplish, I feel like I'm in a unique position to be able to give advice and help out. Yeah. But like you said, at the same time, I don't just openly give that anymore. I'll watch every single match and now it's at the point where if somebody comes up to me after the show and asks me if I can remember everything that I saw that night, then I'm going to say, well, yeah, hey, man, I got a whole page full of notes in my head. Yeah. And I can just give you this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. Because the worst thing is... As a wrestler, you'll come back from a match, and whether you think you did good or not, someone will just be like, oh, yeah, it was good, or I don't know, it sounded good, or and it just like, or if you're told that you're good year after year after year, then you're like, well, how well, come I'm not moving up any? How yeah, come I'm not exactly. getting opportunities no, no or making money? Yeah. yeah, so I try to give them the real, real advice and give them alternatives instead of just say, you can't just say, hey, that sucked. you got to be able to offer them something else. And, I, and I'm also finding, more so as a person than in wrestling, but... Uh, in order to pull the real stuff out of them and help others reach greatness is by helping them figure it out on their own. So I'm more of like a ask questions and I'll say, well, why did you do this? Or what do you think if we did this? And that's going to lead that other person to start thinking instead of just me feeding information into their head. You know what I mean? That's a really, really intelligent way of, of, of helping someone. And I, I, I'll never forget. I had to, had a match when I was 16 and it was terrible and I was on a show with Robbie Brookside and he did exactly that he went well why did you do this and I kind of had no answer to him other than like oh hey like I just kind of wanted to do and it. that helps you figure it out because yeah. if I just tell you what's in my brain you, you know you're automatically going to put up a bit of a wall yeah. And kind of, you know, you're either going to want to, like, justify what you did mm -hmm. or, you know, but but if I help you figure it out on your own, then yeah. you've got a real opening there. And there's little things that, like, well, I love it when you come and do them shows because you'll give me and Glenn notes on commentary. And that's that's the like, job, right? Hey, this is coming up. This is a bit that you need to get in. This is the bit they want to put across. And I think yeah, these wrestlers want this mentioned. And I think that helps because they're not going to remember to tell you themselves. Yeah. I do the same thing with the cameraman. But I think this is as well that this is the advantage of, of having non-wrestling roles within wrestling in the sense that if you if you learn to understand everyone's job and what people need from their That's job, it. we are all going to start working better as a team. You know, That's there's it. matches where where people will come up and be like, "Okay, cool, this is going to be the finish." Like when we do this, could you say this? And I'm like, "Oh, brilliant!" And then in my brain already, I'm like, oh, "I remember this person. I remember what's coming up, and 
I kind of feel more invested and more engaged in that person I'm commentating on. I can imagine. And, and to touch on something else you just said, learning everyone's job, I recommend everyone be a referee at least once. Mm. Be a bell ringer, be the guy that rings the coach back, oh, I, I'm, be somebody that films. I'm that guy. And everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm that guy that's like, I sold, I've sold merch, I've refereed, I've wrestled, I've commentated, I've ring announced. Uh, I've never really promoted, I've never really booked. So but. you have such a larger understanding of what it takes to put on this whole act, this whole show. And, and like, I know a lot of wrestlers who have been injured, who still want to attend shows, and they mm-hmm. learn how to do the lights, or they learn how to do the camera, and they learn how to uh, write, or direct, or whatever. And by the time they come back to be, you know, an active wrestler, they have such better understanding of what's expected of them from everyone, and what everyone else's role is, that they're able to perform their job that much better. I, I still, even to this day... I've been doing this, I'm 31 years old now, and I started training when I was 15. Wow, you're saying that I'm like a week away from being 31, and I'm just like, good, right? (laughs) And there's not a, there's literally not one week that's gone by that I haven't trained as a wrestler one or two times that week. Yeah. And, you know, especially in OVW, the funny thing was when I was there, just to touch on OVW one more time, because that was an awesome school for me and provided so much knowledge and opportunities. Uh, Rip Rogers would, and it made me feel so great, dude. He would do this thing whenever new students would come in, and he'd have them come in like 8 o'clock in the morning and be dressed and ready to be in the ring. And then they get in the ring, and they wrestle like 30, 40 minutes against me. And then afterwards, he'd be like, oh, yeah, by the way, that's our ref. And then they'd be like, what the heck? <laughs> that's the ref? <laughs> so uh, I feel like uh, learning all that just made me better at my yeah. own role. Even today, I still try to give back as much as I can. There's a local group here where I live now in Manchester called WrestlePro, or actually, we're rebranded. It's yeah. called Pinfall Pro, so i got to get used to that. But uh, Sam Bailey is an incredible teacher there. Obviously, you know Sam very well. Yeah, he's my boy. And anytime I'm in town, I'm there, and I'm trying to give back, and it doesn't... I, I, I've been there when you're there. Yeah, and like, you... I, think, I think it's, again, I think it's an important message to to send out in the sense that like i have this thing about like like so referees in wrestling are kind of like everyone thinks they're drummers in a band everyone's kind of like oh they're the 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 weird odd people out but i will tell you now that every single referee in this business is the hardest working person we're and really more like the stage manager yeah you're like floor stage director. manager and you're super everyone is super positive like really good example obviously drake in, in yeah. wwe you and know, he's awesome bob armstrong like Dude. like the first guy's there scott armstrong scott armstrong excuse scott me scotty there are so many Armstrongs. I apologize, but there like, are a lot. but like, did first Bob guy Armstrong had, was busy. That's why. Bull <laughs> yeah, Bull Bull Bob. Bob, right? He was busy. That's why yeah. there's a lot of Armstrongs. Hey, Brad, Brad Armstrong was my guy. I know Joey Hayes. Dude, Brad Armstrong was amazing. Yeah, Joey Hayes' favorite wrestler ever. I, I love saying that. It's amazing. But like, bad one to go with. You know, even even the people like Mike Kyoto, the first ones there, they're the ones that that are always super positive. And they're always like, hey, I love this job. I love this job. I love this job. And I, I think that's so important to have a crew that are like so passionate about wrestling because it kind of reminds you of why you love this. Because, hey, there are shows. You know, we, we said the other day, like, yeah, sometimes we turn up and it's like up. everyone's yeah. kind of like down and a bit like, hey, I'm tired because I've wrestled three times already this weekend. And or... I, fell, I fell into that before. But now, you know. I'm living a different life. I'm older now, and I have a totally different perspective on this and what I do. And at this point, I I take the business very seriously without taking myself seriously. Yeah. And I think that's key. And at this point, I do look at it as, hey, this is 
you know, at the point where I provide food for my wife and pay the, make sure these lights are on and stuff like that through this. So I have to go out there and be passionate and do a good job so that I'm on my A game every time. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's really important. And you mentioned OVW, and I think it's no no coincidence that someone that, that's now in WWE and uh, went through that system, as well as obviously being over here, is Drake Maverick, Spod, yeah. whatever you want to call him, man of a million names. But I know Spod has done literally everything in wrestling. There was a, there was a, a point when he came over and he did the amnesia gimmick. Yeah, it was awesome. And he was like, I think he was like, oh, free Spod? Yeah. During that time, he actually produced a... Uh, Fight Club Pro Show that yeah. I was doing, and we all had like we had in ear, we had in ears, which we usually do anyway because G Man's the the man when it comes to production. But G Man's great, like the most perfectly run show, and like I love working with Joel Allen as well, who's yeah. like you know one of my favorite referees ever. And That's my boss. I know, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm the lieutenant. He's the boss. Is that, is that the, totally cool with that? Is that the hierarchy? Yeah, is it, okay, he's got because bigger, I because I love the role. Oh, okay. I thought it was because he's got bigger guns than you. Well, I was he, like, he, well, hey, come on now. I'm working on it. I'm <laughs> you, catching up. You Give catch me a few up. months, and hey, then you know it'd be a totally different story. That's fine. Joel's got bigger guns than literally half the roster he of does. anywhere. Ever. He does. But, he but does. like Spud was that guy, man. That was just he wants to do everything, and now look at the, his role. He he is really he's gone from being that presentable GM on 205 to being one of the most rounded and uh, most engaging characters with this 24-7 title. And at the time of recording, we are recording this on the Tuesday, he's now 24-7 champion yeah, again. But like, what? I mean, how much do you have to love the business to film something at your wedding and then sort of like... Dude, but hey, that's it. Something he realizes, though, is... And this may end up being a theme throughout this whole thing is you gotta kind of create your own opportunities in this business. That's like a other great people bit will of advice, yeah. will help you and will look out for you. And I like to think that I'm one of those people that'll help and look out for people. You know, even in even in progress now, yeah. I know other people are saying, "Hey, I got my first match in progress coming up," or "Hey, I want to come help set up." And I'm say, "Sure, cool. I can. I'm sure I'm gonna. I'm sure I can help you out with that at this point." Um, but but everything that he's doing now, he went out and made all those videos on his own. Yeah. And it just kind of caught fire and turned into something that they now can use on TV. And he's created a whole new uh, door to step through for himself. And he's he's always created these opportunities for himself by being him and being authentic to him. Yeah, and, that, and that's it too. You got to be authentic. People can smell out if you're real or not. Yeah. And I, I think some people try either too hard, whether, whether it's trying to pretend like they're too nice or... Uh, or even just go into like total like wrestler mode, and I think the game has changed so much now where we just want to see uh, you, and we want when you talk it to feel more conversational, or when we're, when we're filming you and stuff, and we're watching something on the WWE Network, it's more documentary style instead of just like 1980s wrestling style, mm-hmm. because uh, entertainment's changed. So you have to be authentic, you have to be real. You have to be genuine, and 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 you. And sometimes even the people that are like jerks, like I appreciate if you're a jerk, (laughs) but you you know you know you're a jerk. Well, we we've spoken about this before. We said we kind of like the people that are kind of. You you can swear on here, by the way. They're kind of the people that are the dickheads. Like as long as they're the right level of dickhead, me and you kind of gravitate to them because we're like, well, if you're a dickhead, there is like no chance that you're 
bullshitting us or like pretending to be super professional polite. Yeah, like, just be you. Yeah. I mean some of there is some wrestlers out there that that their characters aren't very far removed from them as people and Dude, that's what I miss about wrestling, really the fact that there are characters. And I'm not talking about what you see in the ring or on screen, <laughs> but backstage. Because everybody, you know, I think a lot of people not in a mean or malicious way, not like they're bad people, but they fake being nice too much. Instead of just being real. Do you, think have... it's, do you think it's down to the pressure of, of, of success and that everyone's worried that, that if they're not professional 24-7 or they're not polite 24-7, that they feel like they're going to have an opportunity taken away from them? Whereas back in the day, it was kind of like, hey, we're a crew and you, when you're in, you're in. Do you think people are a little bit uh, insecure or, or self-conscious about losing a spot? Within somewhere, yeah, yeah because it's, you know a lot of these younger guys are just kind of walking on eggshells, or you know they yeah. want that match or that booking or whatever, so they feel like they have to act a certain way. And uh, you know, well, it's two things. Uh, you can say your talent's always going to shine through and rise above, mm. anyways, but at the same time, you could be the most talented person in the world, but if people don't want to be around you three hundred days a year, then you're probably not going to get the job. Yeah, so I can see both sides of that. I think. Really, the thing is, man, there's not enough people, like, guiding them and telling them the real stuff, right. which is why I like going to these training schools now. It shows these younger kids that somebody gives a crap who has gone on to be booked every weekend or whatever and work for bigger companies and stuff, but they're still coming back every week because they care. And, you know, sometimes they throw me a couple bucks for coming to train, and sometimes they don't. But it doesn't matter because that's not why I'm there. I'm there because I actually give a damn. And I want to help these people because I would have never had any of the cool opportunities I did if it wasn't for so many people. You never make it on your own. So many people have gone out of their way to stop and rein me in or teach me something or explain something to me in a different way that I can understand or even just show me encouragement and support. That's the real thing, man. Like when I grow, when I was growing up, my family always supported me. My family's giant wrestling fans. My mom and my grandma both when they were younger because so my grandma went to uh high school with the Hebners. Yeah. Right. So like That's they're crazy. like real life friends. So they would do like concessions at the NWA and stuff like yeah. that. So wrestling was always part of their life. And I think maybe like my mom and my dad didn't always get to do everything that they wanted to do. So they're kinda of living through me and my sister now. But they were always so supportive, man. They uh they never told me I couldn't do it. Like, they didn't always have the money to support me financially or anything like that. But they believed in me, and they allowed me to be me, and they allowed me to go out there and chase this. Even when I was struggling, even when I, you know, was having just hard times or felt like I didn't belong or felt like I didn't fit in, they were there to remind me, like, hey, you can do this. And sometimes that's all it takes. And if I can be that for a bunch of people now, then I feel like I'm living a bit more of a life of purpose because my whole life is wrestling. But also, I do, you know, at the same time, I like to think that I do a lot of other stuff or I'm interested in a lot of stuff outside of wrestling. You know, I want to be a millionaire one day and travel the world and, you know, have businesses yeah. and, you know, put out companies and vlogs and whatever, right? But uh, I think just having people that give a damn there constantly provide you with real advice and, and not just it's got to be practical positivity too you can't just yes. say hey you're doing good That's and stuff like point. this like sometimes it does suck and sometimes you do got to give somebody the cold hard truth but it's better than 
going like three or four or five years and having nobody actually break it down and tell you what sucks and what doesn't, then you sit there wondering why, or then you quit wrestling, and then you just feel like nobody ever kind of got behind you. And if I can do that now for the younger generation, then I'm living more of a life of purpose, I feel like. Boom. Awesome, man. Awesome. That's what I wanted you on. See, this is it. This is this is it. Like it's the 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 positivity, man. Um. So right, you've mentioned practical positivity. Practical positivity. Don't copyright that. Uh, <laughs> that's how Chris is going to become the millionaire that he wants to be. Uh. So we we spoken about it before. Very briefly, you said what your influences were growing up. You mentioned to me uh, of like you think it's crazy over here that we're like super into Japanese wrestling. Like, yeah, it, well, you know what, man? I just because you guys never had access. I I, I, yeah. I I kind of explained it to you with with our generation. We had something called the Wrestling Channel, yeah. uh, which which showed like pro wrestling Noah. It showed New Japan. It showed all these different wrestling things as well as World of Sport and other stuff. So we had like quite a big exposure to it, and we did not. No. So what was? What? I saw, like, Hulk Hogan chain wrestling, and that blew my mind. And I saw, like, <laughs> Cactus Jack falling onto, like, explosives, and that was... But that was about it. You See, know what I mean? The the the, the, um, the Cactus Jack, Terry Funk stuff, even for us, was kind of like... Like, I discovered that a lot later on, because I was super into FMW at one point. Yeah. Um, and it was through that that I, I, I discovered... Because I, I assumed it was FMW. I think it's IWA, isn't it? It's not even... It wasn't even that that promotion, and then, but it, it did have that feel of like I'll never forget that package of um, Triple H, uh, Cactus Jack, Royal Rumble 2000, Street Fight, and then in, in the highlight package, there's the all the like imagery of like him yeah. tied up in like the barbed wire and stuff, yeah, and it dude. was just like as a kid, it was like well, captivating, and I, and I think it and and to me uh, maybe especially because it made it way more iconic those images in my head are like burned into my head now because I didn't see anything else from there. I didn't see anything else with, you know, those fans or that arena or just that environment. And, uh, it was just wild. So what was your jam when you were growing up? You said, obviously like, yeah, just WWF dude. I was yeah. WWF all the way. A lot of my see, friends would watch WCW, but I never really watched. See, WCW. that's interesting. Cause like, I, I, I we get a, like a real big mix of it. So me and uh, a wrestler called CJ Banks, who you know very Amazing. well. Amazing. Juice. Juice. The juice. Uh, when we were kids, uh, we used to watch like WCW religiously and not good WCW as well. Like don't be like thinking like we were like watching it in 96. Like Juice would have because he's a lifelong fan. But like I got into WCW more and then when they did the invasion angle, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll watch more WWF. And that kind of like stuck for me, so... I remember some of my friends trying to convince me to watch WCW and telling mm. me about all the stuff that was happening, the cruiserweights and stuff. And, you know, I've went back and watched that stuff later yeah. on now that I'm older. But at the time, I was like, man, I don't want to watch that crap. I'm watching WWF. <laughs> and, and some of my favorite area of WWF was, like, 92. Like, okay. Like, I know that's kind of like a random one for people, but, like, Boss Man and Perfect yeah, and Hogan yeah. and all that stuff. Like, those are the iconic guys to me. And I feel like... You got a little bit of everything. You got the big man matches, you got the silly matches, but then if you wanted to watch Perfect versus Bret Hart or something yeah. like that, you had like the classic, like actual wrestling. Yeah. And all those matches were allotted more time. And, uh, do you know what? Do you know what's really wild to me when you think of like, especially 1992, I've been watching loads of WCW Saturday Night at the minute, mm-hmm. which is a great show because they've only got 92, 93 up on the network. So it's, it's like Ron Simmons is heavyweight champion. Yeah. But then you like have these shows where you'll have like Pillman, Austin, Rude, Sting, Wyndham, Dustin Rhodes, 
Steamboat and all these like banging matches that were just like TV matches and then you've got like young Shane Douglas like Robbie Walker all these like random concoction of people but what really is crazy when I think about it now so it's like that's going on in WCW where you kind of got this southern wrestling thing with Bill Watts and you've got these amazing talents and Flair and Steamboat and all this WWF are doing perfect you know Brett Bulldog, as well as like the Hogan Warrior stuff at the top. And then at the same time over in Japan, you've got all Japan and you've got Kabashi, Misawa, <laughs> Tawe, Kawada. And it's like all that was happening at the same time. It's crazy. And, and like, it's also different. Yeah, and that, that's it. And it's, you know, even even at that time as well, you had a load of Joshi wrestling when like that that you go back now and you think, how was this 1992? Because they're doing stuff that even now in 2019 we're blown away by. And I think. I think for me personally, like I don't know if we're ever gonna have an era like that again in wrestling where it's so eclectic. And... I call it the Hasbro era. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> where they were the making biggest... all those toys, and like that was the characters for me growing up. Like that's all the stuff I remember. So a lot of it's probably just nostalgia at this point. I just I like it because I watched it when I was that young and I was a kid, right? Yeah. But I also feel like when you go back and watch that stuff, it's just good. Yeah. Like, I watched some random match between, like, Hogan and Bossman, where Slick was the manager for Bossman, mm-hmm. and on the network the other day at, like, some Philadelphia house show from 89, or I don't know, whatever it was. But I was just like, man, wrestling's not like this anymore. And this is great. I th- and I think that's, it's important to accept that it's different, but it's also important to know what came before, because there there, there is a balance between the two. And... I'm, again, I'm not in that camp of like, oh, I miss the good old days. Because for me, the the, the, the the quote-unquote good old days was 15 years ago when I came into British wrestling and British wrestling was, was in a bad state because we'd gone through that period where we'd lost TV and we had all these world sport guys to people like Robbie Brookside, Mikey Whiplash, Robbie Dynamite, James Mason, who were like desperately trying to um, re-energize the scene um, to where we are now. So for me, it's it's a it's a period of time that Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
So, so for me, the, the the good old days is is that. So I don't necessarily miss it, and I think we've progressed in such a better way in in terms of the product's so much more diverse and is so much more accessible for 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 female wrestlers for people of different racial or religious you know uh, descent um as well as uh, as sexual orientation yeah there's certainly right? never been a better time if you want to get into wrestling yeah and and but at the same time it's it's it should be celebrated and also built upon the where we are but sometimes it is great to go and look back and go hey even even if you even if you're looking back and going hey isn't it great that we've gone from from this to this because there is some some gems in there especially like in terms of actual wrestling you know when we mentioned brad armstrong uh, he's one of the best wrestlers i've ever seen in my life and, yeah, dude, and gone and, too young yeah and and he, he had all these banging matches and, and pillman around that time was it was having the light heavyweight matches with liger and like it's super exciting to to go back and and, and watch that but for you who was so who's the guy or girl that you're like Hey, they're my they're my wrestler from from back in the day. It's gonna be a weird one too, cause it's I don't know, man. <laughs> maybe maybe like even earlier on, like the Undertaker. <laughs> Why is that weird? That's that makes a load of sense. Well, well, he's in my opinion one of the absolute greatest of all time, but it doesn't fit like all the other kind of wrestling that I like, cause I do like a real like pure match, like I was mentioning earlier with yeah. like, Bret Hart and Mister Perfect. Like that's the kind of match, especially as a referee. Like that's the kind of match that I would want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. It would give me a lot to do. I'd work up a good sweat, and I just feel like by the end of it, the crowd's just going nuts. Yeah. But at the same time, looking at, like, characters, yeah. like Undertaker, or especially, like, The Rock. The Rock was my guy growing up in, like, middle school and high school and stuff like that. Like, so much. But I think, I think again, you know, you mentioned how the wrestling should be a variety show, but that shows that you can. Like, hey, like, we all love Guerrero, Ray, and, and Dimalenko, and all them boys that were tearing it yeah. up, but, like... It's not like, you know, if you said to us, like, oh, what's the match that you first remember? I, again, like, for me, because I came into wrestling a little yeah, bit later. It would be like Hogan beating up some nobody. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I mean, even Rock and Austin, which by no means were they bad matches, but... Just punches as, and kicks. Yeah, exactly. But, but as a kid, I wasn't like, oh, they're putting on a five-star classic. I was like, oh, man, The Rock just hit his own stunner and, and, and whatever. That's some of the best stuff, though. All the most over guys were just kind of punches and yeah. kicks and only had, like, three or four things. You know, like, guys like John Cena get a lot of crap for having his five moves of doom right yeah but then if you think about it like every great wrestler really only had that and the rest of it was just michael's had a little it. wrestling yeah. yeah michael's is one of my my favorite of all time Shawn michael's is the best <laughs> yeah so we we spoke a little bit about the past because i always like to i always like to gauge where, where everyone's kind of at yeah. uh, in terms of like okay what, what kind of stuff you mean because we we all have this. I think everyone now in wrestling has this um, public persona of like, oh, like what's what's your influence and like your name is really cool matches. In reality, like that's not what we're into wrestling. You were no, you were watching yeah. like all the hokey stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where you were in the past. Let's talk about where you're going in the future. Okay. Because you are here now. You uh, I'm British now. If you, you are tell British. About my accent. Yes. Hello, governor. Uh, <laughs> British things. I know some other British words. I've learned some, but I don't know if they're appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I should have really. But I've been working on it. Yeah, yeah. You get in there. You yeah. get in there. Like it's. 
I, I, it'll start. It'll start slipping in. Uh, Dude, I've been here for eight weeks now. It's yeah. been such a freaking journey to get here. I was gonna say though, because if you, it's not just eight weeks though, is it? It's been like two or three years. Hundred percent, dude. So uh, my wife and I met in OVW. Yeah, she came over there to learn for a little while. Uh, we got engaged Thanksgiving Day of 2011, uh, and obviously, like. To get somebody to move to it, you can't just move to another country. You've got mm. to get a you know permanent residency visa, and it takes a lot of money and a lot of paperwork and a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of heartache. Yeah, a lot of you know emotional sacrifices involved. And at that point, in order to get her to move to America permanently, she had to come back to England, and it was fourteen months that we had to spend apart. And the type of job and type of money that I had at the time, I was only able to see her for three days that year. I came to England for three days, and then yeah. that was that. And then it's like, okay, cool, another eight months apart. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we just had to go through that process again to get me over here. You'd think it would be easier, the fact that we've been married over six years now. Yeah. But it just doesn't work like that. So uh, did you, we kind of packed up a move and packed up and moved again and again. I left OVW in like July of 2014. Just like I was kind of at the point for a little while there where I was like, hey, I kind of learned everything I came to learn here. I really came here to try to get a job at some point. Yeah. And I feel like I learned a ton and I'm getting booked all over the country, but I don't feel like I'm any closer to the goal that I moved here for. So I started putting out feelers to WWE and I had done some extra work and I had done a tryout. And uh, I'm going to just stop you and I apologize for yeah. this because you mentioned the extra work. Um, <laughs> do you remember when you were a viral sensation? Do you want to tell the story of the gif? A couple of Cause times. Because you've, you've been a rosebud. Yeah. But I, was, I was, in fact, the last rosebud. I, I asked Adam Rose if the rosebuds were getting paid and he said, that's enough of this. No more rosebuds. <laughs> Well, there you go. But so, thanks for that, Chris. Yeah. Uh, but it was the, your reaction to, was it a Nikki Bella promo? So, like, Brie Bella was setting up a match with Stephanie McMahon for, like, that a SummerSlam. That was it, Slam. yeah. And, uh, you know, I was sitting a front row with a few other fellow wrestlers, and it was up to us to try to, they said, just put over the segment as best you can. I said, well, okay. <laughs> so Brie Bella calls Stephanie McMahon the B word, and yeah. uh, they were like, we're slapping each other and stuff, and I just made this crazy reaction, like, oh! <laughs> and I knew it was a risk. I did. I knew yeah. it was a risk. And when I came back, Cody Rhodes told me, he was like, hey, it was kind of risky out there. Because I didn't, I wasn't trying to get myself over. I was just trying to do what they said and try to put it over as best as possible. And yeah. I, in that in that role, I was a fan. I wasn't a wrestler. I just, but I knew that they put people there who were going to react. And yeah. in case they started fighting and kicked us in the face, obviously we were wrestlers, so that was another reason. But uh, yeah, I mean that thing caught off. It really caught well, on. And you know good. what's really funny is that like everyone's like, oh, maybe he went over the top. I was like, because I know you pretty well. I'm yeah. like, nah, that's, that's just Chris. That's, that's just, just me. Yeah, like that's that is the most authentic reaction. By the way, please go on the internet and find this because it's, yeah, it's just super type in funny. Brie Bella guy. Yeah, and, and you'll definitely is, find this it. Is it. I, <laughs> I actually, I, I'm a real GIF now. If you go on Giphy or whatever, no, you try to you try to it. send it on Facebook and you just type in like Brie Bella bitch. <laughs> I'm, I'm really really tempted to it'll, call this episode TNJ meets Brie Bella Guy <laughs> and like see how much more traction it gets. Like, we might, well, it's been a few years. Yeah, I yeah. probably forgot about me. Sorry, I cut you off in the middle of that. So you came over here with the intention of, of, of putting well, feelers well, out. Well, I went to Florida first. Right. 
And uh, coincidentally, while I was driving a giant U-Haul with our entire apartment packed inside, <laughs> towing a car, uh, I was emailing back and forth with WWE, and they gave me a call, and they said, hey, uh, you know, if you were in Florida, you know, we might be able to use you more for yeah. this NXT we've got going on. I said, coincidentally, I'm driving a U-Haul right now, moving to Orlando, Florida. And they said, okay, cool. You want to be here next Tuesday or Thursday or whatever? Yeah. And I said, you're darn right I do, <laughs> of course. So I did some stuff there for a while. And, and to be honest, I was an extra or I got to do little stuff with NXT. And sometimes I would just show up and not even really do anything and just get mm. paid to eat catering, which was also kind of cool if you think about Hell it. Oh, yeah. But uh, there just wasn't a full-time spot for me there. And I did that for like, I'm talking like, eight months yeah where i didn't have to have a regular job because i was just an extra so often that i wasn't living you know rich comfortably or no. anything but it was enough to pay my bills and i was still doing independent wrestling shows and stuff like that anyways i moved back and forth and back and forth i live in different parts of florida i moved back to kentucky at one point to go get my old job back i was a debt collection manager for a while i had like Ooh. 25 employees under me so that was like the best job i had for a while but yeah. that i just kind of saved up money before i left uh, Kentucky the first time and so I can afford to do all this other stuff and still chase this dream yeah and when I found out like hey there's not really like a full-time opportunity for you in NXT right now like they're just full they don't they have the refs that they need and yeah. you just don't need any more refs and my wife was a wrestler and she got a job with TNA for a year and TNA was just like so unorganized and they really just made her hate wrestling to be honest and so she retired in, I want to say, like 2013. So we were just living in America for the next few years because I was there and I was still chasing the dream. But I knew in her heart she wanted to come back to England because she felt like, hey, I missed all of my 20s with my family. I feel yeah. like, you know, I moved to America for wrestling. And obviously I found you, which is me, which is great. <laughs> but I want to go live with her family now. And if this WWE thing's not working out right now, maybe we can start thinking about moving to England. So I gave it a try, and I've been coming back and forth to England since like 2010. Sometimes I come for a week or two, sometimes I come for two or three months, and I just do a bunch of wrestling shows, and then I go back to America and pick up my old job, or pick up a new job, or, man, I've left so many jobs chasing this dream. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, long story short, um, around the same time that she was trying to convince me, I was kind of already on the boat, because I was like, okay, well, if WWE doesn't want me, and you want to move there, then... You've already spent the last nine years in America for me, so let's go give it a try. And, like, at the same time, they were like, hey, we might start doing this thing with WWE in England. I had heard rumors about, which ended up now becoming NXT UK. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that's it. I'm definitely sold now. Let's start the process. But I had no idea that the process was going to take me over a year and a half yeah. from when I first started applying. Well, even when I, even before I could apply, she had to come here and live on her own. Yeah, she had to hold down a job for at least six months, making a certain amount of money. We only found out more details of that. It wasn't like you could just Google the stuff either. It yeah, would be yeah, so yeah. easier because so many different things you Google will give you one answer and then somebody else will say something totally different. Yeah. And like, we didn't have enough money to afford like a lawyer to tell us like, Hey, this is exactly what you need to do. So then we found out that she needed to get a second job. So that kept me in America longer. And all the while, uh, I'm waiting tables in America. This was just in the last year and a half. I've only been in England for eight weeks now. Yeah. As of this recording. Um, uh, but I was waiting tables just to try to make as much money as I could. 
and tried. I was working like double shifts all the time and stuff like that at a restaurant called Applebee's, which I don't even eat at Applebee's, <laughs> but it was just nearby and they were yeah. willing to hire me right away. But I just needed to make money for this visa. And I was still doing wrestling training. I was I would teach at two classes. I would teach a Wednesday class, maybe about 45 minutes from me. And I would teach a Sunday class, maybe about an hour and a half from me. Yeah. Nothing's close in America. No, I was going to say, to us, that's like, oh my God, that's so far. Yeah. <laughs> but to you, it's like, yeah. hey, it's, it's a couple like, of blocks. <laughs> hop in the car and dr- yeah. put on a podcast or something, and then you're there. But I was, so, I was just trying to keep so busy. And... Then we were at the point where she had worked and made enough money for long enough, so we applied for the visa, which costs literally like six thousand dollars. Yeah, it's not it's crazy, and the paperwork is extreme. Would yeah. be a good word for it. And uh, the first application actually got denied. I remember. And yeah. I, that was like the worst day of my life. Yeah. And this was also at the same time that the very first, this is just earlier this year, yeah, like six, seven months ago, at the same time that the first NXT UK takeover was happening. Yeah. And I was scheduled to be on that takeover. I was scheduled to referee Jordan Devlin versus Travis Banks, which ended up turning into Jordan Devlin versus Finn Balor. Yeah. And I was just like so like depressed. It was one mm. of the... It was all happening around the same time. So that and me finding out I was denied was all within like the same week. Because I thought I was like close to coming back. Like I was going to make it in time. And the reason that we got denied was due to our financial situation. She didn't make enough money to show that she would be able to support me. So that when I come here I wouldn't jump on government assistance right away. Okay. Which I had no plans of doing anyways. I had my own job offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they couldn't count that. They had to count what she was making. And they didn't count like, hey, this is what she gets paid. It was, hey, let's get six months of pay stubs and then times those by two. Well, she missed a couple days because she was sick. So we literally missed the financial requirement by 30 pounds for the whole year. Oh, man. Which is like $40. Oh. So it was just, I I, I couldn't believe it, man. I called my mom. I was alone at the house at the time. I was sitting on my parents' front porch and I was just like sobbing and i'm usually you know pretty good with my emotions and i'm usually mm. more so there to help others but i just for the first time in years i just lost it dude and i just felt like everything had been taken away from me like my job my wife my house we have a house here we have a car mm. here i've already bought and paid for these things yeah. and i was like well what does this mean does this mean i can't have my life and it only took me like a day or two uh to just kind of feel like you know what Whatever, it is what it is. I'm going to find a different way. So we applied again, and I kept working more and more and more shifts. I was going freaking crazy, man. And I uh, got like my tax returns back, and everything started kind of happening at once. And luckily, WWE was like, hey, that's cool. You know, it is what it is. You want to come do Royal Rumble? And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> all right, okay, here we go. Yeah. And then access uh, happens at Royal Rumble and WrestleMania Survivor Series and all this stuff. So that's like a week's worth of shows. So obviously that yeah. that money really helped me out a lot. And I just applied again. And I just had to really, really hustle my butt off to try to expedite the process this time. So I could get back here sooner so they didn't give my NXT UK referee job to someone else. I knew they were trying out like four or five referees at the yeah. time. And they, and they said, no, 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 we'll wait for you. But in my mind, it's like it's wrestling. Like, yeah. How yeah, long yeah. can you wait? It's already been six, eight months, whatever it was. Like, I know you need to fill this job position. Like, you can't keep waiting. You don't even know that I'm going to get there for sure. I know that I'm going to get there because yeah. I'm determined. I'm going to get there no matter what. 
But I wanted to do it legally and do it the right way. I could have just came to England, overstayed my welcome, and yeah. then applied or something like that. Probably would have been cheaper, would have been quicker. But I wanted to you know, be an upstanding citizen, do it the right way. So anyways, the second time around, I got it expedited. I got my visa. And now that I'm here, it's just like, it doesn't even matter. It was yeah. all worth it. Because everything's great. My yeah. life is great. My wife is great. My job is awesome. I'm getting to just hang out with friends all the time. Dude, our job is great, too, by the way. NXT UK, you work like two weeks a month or one week a month, and then the rest of the weeks are just like chill. And for this time right now, I'm still allowed to do independent wrestling shows. I'm actually stopping that on my own accord in September. And everybody's like, oh, is WWE making you stop? And no, they're not. They would still allow Pete Dunne to do shows and stuff like that. So why Mm. would they prevent me? It was just more of a thing of I never planned on staying on the indies it was yeah. always my goal to make it to the wwe and now that i feel like i have it's like i'm taking a bit That's, of a that wants to be your main focus That's yeah, where you're gonna yeah your this is like a bit yeah. of a victory lap so i'm taking a bunch of indie shows my next two months are like almost fully booked and i'm gonna be out of the town like four or five days a week almost every single week so my wife is gonna hate it <laughs> <laughs> but it's great and then mm-hmm. i you know but i kind of always feel like i have to be on the move yeah I, and it is I never had any sort of money or anything like that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying I do now, but now that I'm in a better position, I still think like once September 8th comes, once I've taken my last independent wrestling show, which happens to be in a cave, <laughs> I thought that was pretty, pretty good way, That's to, one go way to go out. Right? That's yeah, a good yeah, way yeah. to go out. Wrestling in a cave, because I've wrestled in everything else. I've wrestled yeah, in yeah, churches yeah. and strip yeah, clubs yeah, and schools yeah. and fire departments and armories <laughs> and everything, right? Uh, but once that happens, I think I'm just going to start taking like two or three day vacations places. Do it, man. Go like I just want to like, like I taught wrestling in Italy a couple of times and stuff like yeah, that. And I just, cool. It just made me realize like, dude, there's so much more in the world out there. Yeah. And if I can somehow like use wrestling, cause I still can train and I can still train yeah. other people. So I kind of want to go teach seminars and like, yeah. Finland and Switzerland and Italy and, and France know, and Ireland and all this. I stuff. know you're like a big advocate of, of trying to find referees out there as well. No, yeah, not 100%. just only in this country, but everywhere, and, and trying to help people t- take a similar journey to you and, and take a step up. Dude, I have so many, especially referees, but even wrestlers, dude. Yeah, like I'll, uh, I could show you later, but yeah. literally like half of my Facebook and email stuff is just people like, hey, can you watch this match? Or, yeah. hey, I really appreciate this feedback. And it makes me feel like, darn, all right, cool, man. Your mom will be proud. Like, you're out here doing something. You're helping other people out. You're not just selfish yeah, and doing man. your own stuff. And uh, it's just it's very rewarding. And look, if I can help other referees out, man, because it's hard. Because a lot of the referees get their advice from wrestlers, but wrestlers yeah. don't really know. No, of course. You know what I mean? They're just like, oh, you all, you weren't in my way, so you did yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> but there's so much more to it than that. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Hey, look, dude, well, thank you very much for coming to tell your story, because like, yeah, I dude. really appreciate it, and, and, and I'm genuinely delighted that you're here now, man. Like, yeah, man. Hey, if I can... Uh, put over anything i'd rather just put over other people because there's so many other people before we go that deserve to be mentioned there's so many people here you know all the people at the school that we both go to at pinfall pro we think of friends like big joe who lives near us i know who's hustling every week and just showing up to shows that he's not even booked on yeah and trying to help out and i think that's 100 percent what it takes so many people over in ireland where i plan on going soon there's like valkyrie and debbie and michael may and uh, more than hype and 
all these people that are just kicking butt and I feel like they're doing things the right way and they're doing things the way that I did it. And most importantly, they're good people who just deserve, uh, Dean Alexander yeah. or Alexander Dean, sorry. The, all these people deserve opportunities who probably don't get mentioned as much. I got a few friends back in Kentucky still who yeah. are literally some of the best. Re- I mean, I've worked with freaking everyone from AJ Styles all the way down to the very, very bottom. You know what I mean? So I've mm. got a pretty good, uh, dude, I've had almost 5,000 matches. Yeah. 5,000 matches. And I, uh, I've i been a part of almost 500 people's very first ever match because awesome. I know the wrestling and because I can keep them calm during it and yeah. help them out. It's very That's important. important. It's a very important thing to have. Oh, but even like the people in Kentucky, I want to mention uh, my buddy Jamin Olivencia. Oh, yeah, I know. My buddy Michael Hayes, who... Not Michael P.S. Hayes. This is the one-legged Iraqi war veteran, Michael Hayes, who is, you know, I think a lot of times when people hear that, they're like, oh, it's just a gimmick. But no, he's legitimately one of the best wrestlers I've ever been in there with and obviously a very close friend of mine. So I just want to give a shout-out to a few of those people who are kicking butt right now and, uh, you know, Shiloh Jones as well and all deserve opportunities who I feel like for some reason or another people aren't taking notice. But once they do, man, these people are going to, Blow up the scene big time. Okay, so here's what we do. You tell us where we can find you on social media, and then I'll let you tweet out later all the people that you've mentioned, all their ads, where you can find them, where That'll you can be watch great. their stuff. That sounds cool. So where can we find you great. on Twitter and Instagram? So it's WWE Chris Sharp. Sharp is spelled S-H-A-R-P-E. I recently changed that. That felt really good. Yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> it was but just ref Chris Sharp moment, for a right? while. Yeah. And, and I've been doing this NXT UK for a year now. But yeah. It was only recently, and I had to wait until I got back to England before yeah. I could officially sign a contract. Like, did, did they use me on Royal Rumble? They used me on yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah. And all yeah. kinds of stuff like this. But it was just recently that I officially signed with them after yeah. working with them for a year. And I was like, you know what? I think it's okay now. I'm going to be WWE Chris Sharp online. Yeah, buddy. And just help promote the brand. And then pretty much, you know, I, sometimes I'm kind of boring. All I really promote is wrestling anyway. It's not boring, man. Unless you do any job. That's but it. that's my life. It's hey, not boring to me. Hey, look, look. Like, genuinely, like, you were, you were, and I'm not just saying this. But you were top of my list. You were the first person I wanted to do because I knew that you tell this incredible story and I knew you'd use this as a platform to help others because that's what you do. That's your job. That's your business. That's who you are as a person. That's my life. Well. That is. And like, honestly, that's... My, just... life, was, my life is already cool, man. I've yeah. got everything I want. i got a great wife. i got a great house. we got yeah. a car that runs. we got a TV. i got a PlayStation. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. trying to get a dog soon. Yeah. i got everything I want. My whole life from this point forward is yeah. trying to reach down off the top of the mountain and pull other people up. Hell yeah, because that's that's how everyone gets better. Let's ever let's, let's all get paid. Let's all do the let's cool get everybody stuff jobs and let's do and it all. It doesn't the, have to yeah. be with my company, but no. I can help you get a job somewhere else. Exactly. I know them all. This is it. This is it. This is the the mission. But look, thank you honestly once again for coming on. Uh, you guys can find me at M Richards Host. Uh, use the hashtag TNJ or Tuesday Night Jaw. Uh, if you've listened to this, let me know what you think of. Uh, I have got a guest lined up for next week. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Ooh, mystery. Uh, but I'll probably be recording it I tomorrow. Like it. Yeah, right? This is it. We, we leave them on a cliffhanger. Um, I'm also hoping to get some some uh, podcast on over the Progress Weekender, which is this weekend, which I is I like Saturday that I was Sunday. a mystery too, because now people might actually tune in. Yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> like, like, no pressure, but like you're like my first ever guest. This on is this. awesome. So like everyone's going to be like, who's this? And yeah, they're going to be like, oh shit, it's the Brie Bella guy, right? And we're, and we're just chatting, man. That's I don't really have anything specific to put over. Just other people. Yeah. 
That's it. Right. So I will see you lovely lot next week. Thank you once again to Chris Sharp. Peace out. Much love to your mother. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.